Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind to both employees and customers love and support. Thanks to BizSimply for sponsoring this episode as our show partner. And BizSimply is the all-in-one HR, workforce management, road and operations software designed and built by hospitality experts to make every shift run like clockwork. And we join forces to help the industry to find new ways to become even more innovative in how we lead our people, how we operate, to how we grow our businesses, to how we serve our customers. Together, we want to share strategies and tools that can make the industry thrive long-term, not just survive. You really can attract a new customer base that you might not have already had. And the idea that someone can't go to one of my Crosstown stores shouldn't limit me from me wanting to actually provide them with a Crosstown experience. That's the way I think about it now is, can Crosstown provide a hospitable service online as much as it does offline? And and now I would say, yes, it can. You can get that experience. And I truly believe that a lot of hospitality businesses can offer that as well. This is JP Thin, who is the founder of Slurp and co-founder of Crosstown, an omni-channel brand established in 2014, specializing in handmade donuts, cookies, and ice cream. And Slurp was born due to JP wanted to find another way of growing his high street food brand than just adding additional sites. And we sat down to talk about the power of omni-channel strategy and how you get it connected to your distribution channels so you can go from local to national. We also talked about how technology now can help you make better forecasting of your production to you ensure that you meet demand and minimize waste. JP gives his views on how digital the industry is and when it comes to adoption compared to other industries, he explains the big challenges that we have in some ways is connected to we are very traditional in the industry and we're trying to retrofit digital into our businesses. Along the way, he shares his lives and leadership lessons in 2020, his entrepreneurial journey, the power of using data in business decisions, digital fear, and how to take care of yourself as a leader, and much more. Before you tune in, please sign up for our weekly newsletter on hospitalitymavericks.com, packed with more Maverick insights, strategies, and tools. But now, please grab coffee, maybe a donut, and notebook, and let's get started to get better understanding on how you scale your business through omni-channel strategy. I'm super excited about today's conversation because I still think we have a lot to learn on this journey. We've gone through the last 16 months, been talking about digital transformation, e-commerce, omni-channel, and now we probably all stand with some learnings on on the other side of this and and we're trying now to find a way forward so for today's conversation i have an expert on the area not just an expert in how you build e-commerce and omni-channels but also how you actually do that in combination with operating a hospitality business because i got jp who is the uh, founder of slurp and also uh, involved in, in crosstown as an operator with me here on the show so i'm super excited to welcome you to the show uh, jp Thanks for having me, Michael. I'm looking forward to sharing, hopefully, a bit of a story on, on, on my background and both companies. 
as I said a couple of times we've been talking pre pre to this conversation is that I get very excited when I find somebody to build technology that's also maybe have been of are an operator and you are an operator at present and actually had a problem as an operator pre-pandemic and started building your tech company. I think it was back in 2017 as I was preparing for this. Can you give like this? Also, on that note, I asked a lot of people, do you know about Slurp? Do you know about Crosstown? And actually, there was a lot of people that didn't knew you existed and that you had, you know, 13 location and you actually, you know, out of that, you learned something and built uh, an e-commerce technology to help you solve one of your problems. How do you actually scale your business without opening units? So can you give us a bit like a top uh, headlines overview about Slurp, maybe in combination with Crosstown is and, and and why you're here and what is the purpose of the business? Sure. Uh, I think I'll start with Crosstown because it naturally leads into Slurp. Uh, Crosstown was founded in 2014. So it's it's seven years old as a business now. And it's something that I co-founded with uh, a guy called Adam. And very simply, Crosstown uh, invented the sourdough donut. So we premiumized uh, a category and we started very humbly as a market stall on Leather Lane in Farringdon. And over the course of the last seven years, have, have grown that business to be uh, quite a successful omni-channel uh, sweet treat brand that also now sells ice cream, cookies, and pairs it with specialty coffee. So as you said before, Michael, we've got multiple sites across predominantly London and, and now Cambridge. Uh, there's 20 there's odd locations, which is a mix of permanent retail, uh, market stalls, food trucks. There's also a little bit of wholesale uh, through Whole Foods, Harrods, Planet Organic, and uh, quite a healthy online business, uh, thanks to Slurp. And how that leads to Slurp? Well, quite simply, back in 2015, uh, so quite early on in the Crosstown journey, uh, you know, one of the things that has really separated Crosstown, when I think back, is its progressive mindset. It's, it's quite an innovative brand and has been very uh, early adopters of a lot of technologies. So I remember when we were using iZettle on, on the market stall in the lane and we were the first market stall to sort of take card payment with no minimum and we were one of their beta users for very early on and, and the iZettle team used to come over from Scandinavia and uh, pick my brain quite a lot because we, we were sort of pushing the, the platform and, and were a master user. Uh, we were also very early adopters of Deliveroo, uh, the marketplace uh, technology. And we were actually also launch partners with Uber Eats, so one of the first brands in the UK to use it. And when we started doing online ordering, uh, you know, I was very, very excited. I have to say, I was, I really felt uh, that online ordering would be a significant part of hospitality businesses going into the future. You've got to remember, this was back in 2014, 2015. So when I was crystal ball gazing, thinking what's going to happen in five to ten years' time. You know, I'm really looking at what, what is the, what's the lay of the land now. And, you know, I, I truly believe that consumer habits would be shaped by these technologies and that ultimately uh, a strong proposition for, for a brand like Crosstown was to have multiple different revenue channels. Um, and that included marketplaces, 
but also a direct-to-consumer online ordering. Uh, so back in 2015, having adopted Deliveroo and Uber Eats, uh, I went on this search for a, a direct-to-consumer e-commerce solution and you know, quite quickly realized that a lot of the, what I would say, traditional e-commerce providers, the Shopify, Squarespace of the world, they really weren't fit for purpose for hospitality and they couldn't deal with the complexity of of running a multi-premise or multi-site uh, food business where you'd have a lot of different functionality compared to, to say, a retailer that's just distributing from a warehouse. Uh, you know, we wanted to have different menus at a very different location. We wanted to have on-demand orders as well as pre-orders. And we wanted to also, you know, have the ability to ship nationwide. And we couldn't deal with that complexity of setup through traditional e-commerce providers. So, you know, eventually what happened was I this this idea just sat with me for, for a good sort of six, nine months. And I eventually went, oh, you know what, we, I really want this solution. I really think this is going to be something that's important. Uh, let's build it out. So we ended up building out our MVP or minimal viable product uh, using Crosstown as, as, as a guinea pig, as an example. And that happened all throughout 2016. And then in January 2017, we, we turned the e-commerce on and we started getting orders. And I remember that day very clearly because we were... I was next to one of my developers, a guy called Victor, and he'd travel, you know, he was sitting in my shortage shop at Brick Lane and he was coding away and he's like, no, look, we've just launched it, it's live. And then 10 minutes later, there was an order from Victor. I was like, okay, he's doing a test order. It was actually another Victor, it was a real live order. <laughs> I'll never forget that. I was like, oh, this is the first order that's come in. Who would have thought someone called Victor would order it? Um, and and since then, we, we haven't really looked back. It's been a crazy journey and um, you know we, we very quietly for three years was just testing and learning in the background with Crosstown uh, so from 2016 all the way through to 2019 we were just in the background doing our thing really learning and educating ourselves about how to do e-commerce for hospitality and, and then we eventually launched to market uh, at the end of 2019 so not very long ago and we, you know, we, we launched, we started getting a bit of traction and then the world sort of changed and, and tipped upside down as we know it. And then luckily enough for us, Slurp was very well placed to, to help a lot of hospitality brands create a new revenue channel. And, and it really what happened was, it was crazy to think about it. It was an acceleration of, of digital adoption that, that, that really just pushed forward what was already happening a number of years. Uh, you know, when I, when I thought of the idea back in 2015, 2016, I knew we were very early. We, we were too progressive in many senses. The market wasn't quite ready for it. I think it was, was, was prime in, in, in the end of 2019, but I mean, it really accelerated beyond my expectations when the pandemic hit because you know, hospitality brands needed to find revenue streams beyond their bricks and mortar premise. And uh, we, we were well equipped to, to take on a lot of brands. So, yeah, that, that's kind of the, the story in a nutshell of, of how the slurp journey began. It was really about solving my own problem, to be honest. It was really about looking at my own business through Crosstown and going, hey, actually, I think this is something we really need. 
I can't find it in the market. Okay, let's go off and, and build it. Uh, super interesting, as I mentioned in the introduction, that you are you you came from an operator's kind of challenge point of view. What what there's there's, there's loads of pl- platforms out there, and you mentioned Shopify, Deliveroo. There's lots of marketplaces, different platforms you can create revenue to. What is that that makes you guys unique on your platform? What is your principles behind it? that makes it really work for you mentioned it works there was nothing that really worked really well for hospitality at that point when you started out yeah i think there's a there's a few angles on that one of them was was what we call order types so shopify is is great at doing uh, 3pl logistics 3pl being your traditional DHL, FedEx, sort of royal mails so if you order an item you get it in one to five days time usually uh, you've then got the other spectrum, which is the you know the marketplaces like Deliveroo and Uber Eats, which are greater on-demand e-commerce, which is really about get me something instantaneously in the next sort of thirty to sixty minutes. But you haven't really got a platform that can do both. So how do you deal with the on-demand order types as well as the what we call the pre-order order types, which is the, the advanced orders, as well as click and collect? So bringing that together. Uh, was definitely something that I saw an opportunity with. Um, and the second main reason was the ability or, to deal with the complexity of dealing with a multi-premise operation. You know, Crosstown was growing and adding new doors, you know, uh, every few months at one point. When you have a portfolio of, of multiple sites and you need all those sites to have individual rules about, okay, I want this site to do on-demand orders, click and collect, and pre-orders, or I only wanted to do click and collect. How do you deal with that complexity at a site level? And and that's really where Slurp uh, comes into its own. It it really deals with the complexity of multi-premise operations with all the different order types. Um, So we are a B2B business, right? Slurp is not consumer-facing. It's powering... Uh, hospitality brands in the background, um, and, and we're not we're not out there saying, "Hey, look, buy from Slurp." It's it's all about the brand, um, and and that idea of of essentially being this digital business partner to hospitality brands to help them sell more and manage better is broadly our our goal and mission. Uh, how do we, you know, become uh, a tech enabler? for hospitality businesses and, and give them the controls so that they can they can scale uh, so it's with, with our technology powering it. And why the name? Because um, you told me the story, but I think the audience should know as well. Because one of the things <laughs> I was thinking when I uh, first met you was sort of thing, why slurp? Uh, what is the what is the idea behind that? Uh, because I think you know language can be quite powerful sometimes when you know what's behind it. What, what is the story about naming it slurp? It's a very good question. It's not one that I, I've told many times, to be honest, but hopefully listeners will understand it. the method to my madness. <laughs> um, you know, what, what I just said was actually very, very relevant. Uh, this idea about being a digital business partner to, to help businesses sell more and manage better. Uh, now I talked already about one of the big themes, which was e-commerce, you know, creating a, an e-commerce platform that was relevant for hospitality. You know, the second broad challenge that I, or learnings that I uncovered through through growing Crosstown was just how archaic 
the back end systems are that that head office uses for in the sector. Uh, we were struggling with what I thought was a very simple question at the time, but we're scrambling around every day to try and answer it. And it was, you know, based off this this idea of well, how many donuts do we have to make tonight? You know, Crosstown's a bakery that operates 365 days of the year, makes the product fresh every day from its bakery in London. And we were struggling to pull together the numbers from all the different streams. So whether it's the store stock, the wholesale accounts, earning purchase orders, you know, online orders, we were just pulling all this together in Excel, Microsoft Excel. And it was the core tool we were using. And I had two full-time people at the time doing this. And I was about to add a third person. I was like, this doesn't seem right. Like, this seems really unscalable. So I started asking my peers, you know, my, my friends in the sector and other people running restaurants and, and hospitality business. How do you deal with this? Like, how do you manage this, this simple sort of production scheduling, forecasting sort of uh, a concept? And everyone was using Excel. It was just, without a doubt, the number one tool. Uh, out there, which was, of course, very, you know, accepted because it's it's so powerful, but just not fit for purpose in many ways. So my idea actually was, well, if we can build this great e-commerce platform and we can also build this great cloud-based, call it production schedule, order management system um, that you could automatically pull in your online orders through Slope, you could input your, your your store orders for your, for your own locations. You could upload the different purchase orders that come in through the, the wholesale accounts. And you can get an aggregated view of, okay, I need to produce 15,000 donuts tonight. Here's all the flavor breakdowns. Here are all the different components. And then also produce all the different packing slips and picking slips. So it can link up with the logistics side of the business I, you know, I thought I was onto a, a, a pretty big winning combination there. And as I thought about it more and more and researched it more and more, essentially what I realized was that I was building out a simplified ERP system for hospitality, but very much from a progressive mindset of e-com and order management. And, and that's actually where the name comes from. It stands for Simple Language ERP. Uh, and ERP systems, for those that don't know, are... It stands for enterprise resource planning, and, and the big names that do that are Oracle and Salesforce. And very simply, they connect systems together and they make systems talk to each other, so you can you can make your operations slicker. So that that's kind of the story. Is like, well, actually, I'm approaching this from an e-com and production scheduling point of view, and I actually think this is a, a baseline ERP system, but a very simple one. So I named the company Slurp and incorporated that company in 2016. And I think a lot of people think it's it's meant to be an acronym for slurping a drink, uh, which is not. But, you know, if it sticks in people's minds one way or the other, <laughs> that's the main thing. Uh, but it, it also remains our guiding guiding light in many senses, this this theme of sell more, manage better. You, you now know, right? Sell more is e-com, which is called Slurp Space. And manage better is... is um, called Slurp Composer, which is the order management. So they're the, the two core products that, that Slurp offers.
Yeah, and super interesting, uh, JB, because um, lots of conversation I had with people. One thing was they switched on all this e-commerce and digital transformation during the, especially during the pandemic. But suddenly they also had a complexity they had to deal with because there was coming orders in for a number of different channels. And, you know, you maybe didn't have the same production set up as you had before. There were so many moving parts. And they were still missing out orders or orders that was dropped, you know, unhappy customers. And you you had the answer there. Um, and, and because I've been, you know, lucky to work with uh, some ERP system in the past, when I worked for McDonald's, I know the power of them uh, when they really work and the, and the precision you can plan in, both from a food cost point of view, but also from a labor cost point of view when, when you know that and when you know when your resources has to be there. I was thinking as you were explaining this, uh, you know, we take the industry as in general, we, we always, uh, I always believe that we've been behind digitalization compared to many other industries. Um, and I think there's a, a consensus now in the industry that we were actually further behind than we thought we were when the pandemic hit us, both on the, uh, when you talk about creating a great employee experience, but also a customer experience. What, what is your view as both as an operator and tech business? And also where, where have we moved since the, the pandemic broke out? It's interesting because I, I feel the hospitality business is, it's, it's something I'm very passionate about because it's full of creatives and innovators and craftspeople it's probably a better word that they you know they, they care about obviously the food that they put on the table but the fit out and the experience and that whole you walk into a premise you're hit with something that feels special uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean they've been great at, at digital adoption and, and uh, you know innovation and technology uh, I think you're right they have been laggards uh, as a sector uh, because it's not always at the forefront of people's minds when they go to start a food business. I think that's a big, big reason is that the types of creatives that, that are attracted to the sector uh, may not be that digitally inclined, which is fair enough, right? You know, they're more about flavor profiles and, and interesting eating experiences. Uh, so it's always been secondary, I think. Um, and I think you've kind of got this time in the market, which is really interesting, where you have these traditional hospitality businesses that are trying to reinvent themselves and really digitalize their, their, their operations and, and start to think about, okay, how do we add this digital layer, but we're retrofitting it into something that's quite traditional. And in a business that comes to mind is a prep. You know, I love prep for so many reasons. It's a London institution and everyone has experienced it, but it is at that point now where it's like, okay, they are trying to retrofit something into their business. And it's, of course, very difficult. It's a huge business. It's very, very complex. Uh, on the flip side of that, you've got the nimble operators that are coming to the market now that have you know, ultimately none of the baggage that, that a lot of the traditional operators have. They're coming into it with quite a fresh pair of eyes and they are already digitally focused. They know that they have to be uh, more omnichannel they, more, they have to rely on, on different revenue streams and they almost have the benefit of looking at the last 18, 24 months and, and, and seeing that and going, okay, actually, yeah, when we think about this concept, we really have to think about the different pillars to, to how we to reach our customers. And, and that might not just be all on-premise now. There could be an online component. There could be a marketplace component. There could be a dark kitchen component. There could be, you know, meal kit component there are literally so many 
ways that that, that brand can extend now. Uh, so it's a really interesting time for the sector because I think there's a bit of a two horse race where one's hasn't got the baggage and one's one's weighed down quite a lot. Uh, but I think it's at the forefront of a lot of businesses' minds. Do you think that um, that as we go forward, uh, digital initiatives will be part of normal business strategy for building a hospitality business? I think as long as they're functional, I think there's still a lot of gimmicky type tech that comes out uh, in every sector, right? This this is not just limited to hospitality. Uh, it's really got to serve a purpose. And I think when, you, when you're thinking about growing a business, you're obviously so focused on, on turnover, revenue, you know, making sure you're cash flow positive to, to pay the bills. So anything that can help you engage with your customer and, and sell is, is really important and should be at the forefront of people's minds. And, and that's why when, when you think about doing a fit out for a restaurant, right, the, the, the hygiene factor is you need a POS system and payment system. It is, it's a must have. What's happening and what I think will happen is people will go, okay, you also need your, your direct online ordering channel. Uh, it's not an afterthought. It's actually something that's thought about at that initial concept phase of, okay, how do we launch a brand, but with that in mind from the get-go? And that might mean that it impacts your fit-out, right? You have a layout that's different. You've got a section that you know drivers can come collect from or you know, there's a different prep area for it. That that's definitely something that I I see more of now, which I think is really exciting. Um, I think I also see more and more teams, head office teams, hiring for digital functions or delivery functions. That's definitely something we haven't seen before in the sector. Uh, that the you know when we we work with lots of of, of brands and and groups and so many of them are approaching this now with okay we need a specialist team to work hand in hand with the ops team the finance function and they focus solely on, on online ordering or digital or delivery whatever you call it uh, so that there's an area of expertise in the business that can really push it forward it is very interesting you're you're talking about that connection with that you know uh, starting from the outset to design the business and and i think we've seen you know if you actually look closely at what mcdonald's chipotle now we're talking very big guys did maybe five years eight years ago they started actually you know to build restaurants from that point and, and convert restaurants compared to how digital could be enabled in the best possible way, both for the employees and the customers. And that, that's, of course, you know, I know they have extreme power, but they are, you know, if you want to go see an example of somebody that's, in my view, have really, you know, succeeded with it and, and very lucky just before a pandemic break out. Um, really, you can also see their numbers now if you go and see their, their, their yearly accounts and what they have been driven through these channels. I think that's a very good example, just to add on what you just said, of you know a successful business strategy around digitalization, both on the employee and customer journey, in a way. Yeah, look, there's been some businesses that have done actually quite well during the last 18 months because they've been digitally focused and they've been omni-channel. Um, if I look at my own business at Crosstown, I actually feel like we're a better business than we ever have been. You know, despite the fact that we went through a period of significant turmoil and challenge and stress, and you know, I, I won't lie. You know, I thought in in March last year my business was gone. Um, we, we're an independent business. We, we're not institutionally backed, so 
we didn't have tons of money there sitting around waiting to, to deal with a pandemic. And, um, you know, we, we, we reacted in a positive way. But now I feel we're, we're a strong business and we learn a lot about ourselves. We've learned a lot about the resilience of, of the, the brand in itself. And a lot of the things that we were planning to do you know, we, we wanted to launch ice cream. We wanted to do nationwide delivery, but I always delayed it because the packaging was such a challenge. And I was like, that sits with me. I need to work that out. Uh, we wanted to do cookies. We wanted to do our first test sites in London. And, and we did all of that in the space of nine months. And, and that was stuff that was sitting there that we had, you know, had planned on the roadmap for the next 24, 36 months. So it really pushed us to, to go at it because we felt there was nothing to lose. And I think that mentality of, of you know, going for it is, is something that I hope the sector doesn't lose in many senses. Um, and, yeah, cross-term, without doubt, it's, it's a stronger business than, than it ever has been. And I think it's got a really bright future ahead of it. Uh, that's a great, uh, you know, success story in all this turmoil that still is in the sector, actually, that you feel, actually, that you're you're being strengthened and coming out strength now of this situation. If we take it a bit back to you know um, digitalization and uh, as a sector, is is has there been, and is there enough invested actually in your view in in resources, time, money to actually actually drive this digital transformation we are talking about and and that vision we want to 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 get to as an industry. I th- I think we're still learning. I think it's still very very early days. I think. Uh, this sector is still grappling with, you know, the uncertainty that's immediately in front of itself. We all know there's there's some some significant challenges right right in front of us. You know, there's massive staffing shortages. We're still not out of lockdown. The date keeps changing. We're potentially got a third wave ahead of us. What all that means, I don't know. I'm I'm not going to pretend that I do know. But what it does just remind myself as an operator and is that we need to be nimble and agile we need to remain that uh we need to try and react positively um and we we should be looking to to push a digital transformation uh relevant digital transformation into businesses as fast as you can um even if it does feel like a scary prospect because it really is where it's going or where it has gone. Really interesting bit of study that Slurp did very recently with Cam Media. Now we we did a survey across the UK of, of people's buying habits to, to e-commerce. And the big out finding in that was that nine out of 10 people want their favorite brands to continue to buy online or to sell online uh, post-pandemic, so post-lockdown. And that's incredible, right? You know, it's, it's a that number doesn't lie. 90% of people want that. So why would you not offer it? It's just a matter of now implementing it into your your business to make it happen. Uh, it's super interesting because I've also heard that, you know, even though the consumer wants that, I've heard operators talking about they're just focusing on bringing people back into their premises and they will then turn. They have maybe had switched on e-commerce or different delivery channels, but they actually want to dumb them down. Uh, as they go back and it's so interesting that you know again you know if they're right or wrong i don't know but it's interesting when you put a stat like that in front of me i would definitely 
data never lies and science never lies. We've seen it now with the pandemic again, climate change. There's so many factors where we uh, we don't look at the data and actually make you know uh, emotional decisions. I call them God decisions. Uh, God is good, but it has to be backed up by data, I often say. And uh, you can see here again, there's an example that customers want something else and we're trying maybe to serve them something different. And it's such a great example of the opposite of what you just said. Do you think, uh, JP, there's also an element of, uh, I call it digital fear factor sometimes with with operators that what is this thing, Uh, digital transformation, what should I buy? What shouldn't I buy? How do I implement it? Oh, it didn't work last time. It's going to work this time. All these fears there's around technology and, and hospitality. Yeah, I think so. I think because there's quite a few moving parts in something with like online ordering, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. So there's a, you know, to to think that 100% of deliveries are going to be completely perfect is 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 not the case, right? The reality is that there's a lot of steps needed to get that right. But at the same time, I think there are a lot of people that that understand this space very well. And I'd like to think that myself is included in that. We should be leaning on each other to understand and learn what works, how to implement things, uh, what didn't work as well. And and what we do at Slurp, which I think is really important, is we take all those learnings from all the hundreds and hundreds of brands that are using Slurp to translate that and go, hey, this is this is something that worked really, really well. If you do the same, I think you're going to get similar results. Um, and they're not they're not rocket science, right? You know, there really are things about being disciplined and and treating the online channel with respect. I think is 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 the big factor. You know, Crosstown. You want to know what Crosstown is? It works to a marketing calendar. It has a calendar on the wall in the head office in the bakery. And guess what? Today, okay, Wimbledon started. There's a Wimbledon campaign. You know, 4th of July is next for Independence Day. We're doing something there. What's next? You know, there was Father's Day. There was Mother's Day. There was Valentine's Day. There are so many key moments that you can attach yourself to as a brand that be, to be authentic um, and provide that online offering that might be very different to what you have in premise. And, and that's another big factor is that don't think about your in-premise offering as the same as your online. You can be completely different and it can really open you up to, to all sorts of new things. Like I remember when we started selling alcohol online at Crosstown and we were like, oh, are people going to want this? Like, I don't know, like is, is a beer and donut gift box worthwhile? We've got, we, we partner with St. John as well for rosé and, and white wine it's the best seller as a gift. It constantly outperforms everything, no matter what we do. It's just like, yeah, people want to pair um, donuts and alcohol. It's a thing. It's it's true. And, and the, the customers are telling us that. So who are we to, to question that? And and now, uh, now the online offering in the, in the alcohol and, and donuts segment and cookies and things is, is stronger than ever has been. Um, so, you know, trying things and seeing if it sticks that's part of the benefit of online as well is that you've got a very controlled environment that is uh, very easy to turn on and off uh, in terms of changing your menu. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because, yeah, you can, in principle, introduce a new menu every week if that's what you wanted to test them. But another thing we, we, we touched on a bit before and also what I 
talk with operators and people in digital about during the pandemic is that, you know, also that we need to understand that when we switch all on all these channels, we suddenly start to get data. We suddenly don't have to guess anymore. We actually have data to look at, sales data, whatever it is, interaction data, where does it fall off? What Which campaign, as you just talked about, makes people buy? What kind of gift boxes make people, you know, as you said, I didn't know beer and donuts, but the sales number doesn't lie. So I know that I need to push that because that's a, a unique selling point I've just learned there. That's something the customers want. Is there also a bit that we sometimes stop uh, maybe because we are so busy at solving problems, you know, not right now, of course, everybody's struggling. You need to put the fires out, but actually take the time look at all the data you got in now and actually start to say, what what can we actually learn from this to actually get more silver bullets instead of firing cannonballs all the time when it comes to menu, marketing campaigns and, and all that? It's a, it's a very good point. It's, I think because, the, because our sector has come from a foundation of marketplaces for online ordering, we're not used to having the data, right? We're not used to actually knowing who our customer is um, through those channels. So now that we do have that information, uh, it goes to my point before, we are learning how to use it. We really are learning what is the right way to engage with them um, and, and implementing CRM systems, uh, you know, Slurp integrates with a number of them so that you can pull that data across and, and actually start to run your marketing campaigns, whether it's email, whatever it is. Um, and get that single you know, customer view of did they come in premise and did they buy online? Who are they? What are they like? Uh, but I don't think we're there as a sector to know how to really utilize it to its full potential. I think that will come. Um, but I find it so, so you know, interesting and exciting that we can have that. Um, and you can really start to do targeted campaigns that are really interesting for that specific person. Um, that are not just generic sort of send outs. Yeah, and another thing is interesting, actually, you know, because you have your way of doing business. Uh, Jim Collins also from Good to Great Call is the flywheel effect that you know that when you do these things, it works. And suddenly with data, you can start confirming that actually the way you build your business model, you talked a bit about you build it around campaigns and special happenings. Besides opening the stalls or the shops every day, you have different happenings that's important for boost your revenue and that's a fl uh, flywheel effect you know that you're actually knowing that comes in and as you do it more and more it get more and more efficient and i think that's one of the things data can help you with you can actually get a bit more consistency in your business and actually knowing what you do will bring in revenue you just have to do it consistently enough to to do it or else the consumer don't know you're doing it because sometimes people start something and they stop again because, oh, the numbers didn't come. Well, you did it once. You didn't do it a hundred times to get the learnings. It comes back to that point about discipline and, and working through a, a schedule and, and having a dedicated team to look after this. Um, and this is a, a, a significant revenue channel. It, it can be a really meaningful part of your business. The online uh, business for, for Crosstown is you know, it'd be in excess of 35% you know, 40%, if, if not more now. And of course, at one point, it was 100%. Uh, so it's a channel that you really need to res respect. And it also has such unlimited upside, like, you know, you really can 
attract a new customer base that you might not have already had. And the idea that someone can't go to one of my Crosstown stores shouldn't limit me from me wanting to actually provide them with a Crosstown experience. That's the way I think about it now is can Crosstown provide a hospitable service online as much as it does offline? And and now I would say, yes, it can. You can get that experience. And um, I, I believe, I, tr- I truly believe that a lot of hospitality businesses can offer that as well. What are the, the three biggest trends you see in, in the coming years? Because we, we it seems like now we have switched on the technology in a way. And we have got revenue through. A lot of companies are trying even, you know, more traditional high street loca- location as Pred, you should say, trying to find out how they retrofit technology into their business and so on. But what are the big trends as a operator, tech provider, you can see right now that will happen? I think there's there's a lot of moving parts with logistics still. I think it's a really uh, important part of, of online ordering. And I could I could do a whole session on just logistics, to be honest. But I, I think the highlight of it is is we are still not there as to truly exposing the real cost of a delivery to the end consumer. And I think that's something that will evolve considerably in the next 24, 36 months. Um, I remember uh, when when the marketplace first started and delivery was like 99p or something or free. And then it moved slightly up to 250 and I was just thinking to myself, I remember this a few years ago going, there'll be a time when it's dynamic, where it will go up to a certain rate. It might be 499 whatever it is. And then moved to that. It, there was a point where that happened. Um, I think we've gone backward a bit again, where it's more sort of subsidized because there's a lot of competition between the big marketplaces. But ultimately, you know, that's not the real cost. It doesn't cost you two pounds to get a delivery. I mean, it's ridiculous to, to think that you put it into perspective, if you buy something on a website and you get charged three ninety nine or four ninety nine, and it's going to come in three to five days time, that's that's what it costs. Why is it going to cost you two pounds to get it in thirty minutes? Uh, you know, that doesn't make any sense. So, you know, definitely there's going to be some changes there, and, and the subsidies that occur in in that will, I think, you know, I hope it will ease up. Because I, I think it's an important part that that you know, customers need to see the real cost of that stuff, and that will have an impact on 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 where things go. That's kind of the biggest theme that I think is 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 going to change. But you know, other than that, I, I do feel that D 2 C commerce obviously is is a huge wave um, in the sector, and and almost it's the next wave beyond marketplaces. I really feel like uh, these operators getting back some of the control and 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 Really having that hospitable service online, as well as uh, you know, in premise, is is a theme. Um, but it's it's not a. I wouldn't say it's a, it's something that that will disappear. It's a long term trend, and uh, the adoption will continue. I think the other interesting part is uh, the, the consolidation of the ecosystem, and, and what I mean by that is, if you think of uh, your operations, you've got a motherboard, like a, think of a computer, the motherboard, you've got a CPU, hard drive, you've got your RAM, 
got your cooler, <laughs> you know, your POS system, your online ordering, your, you know, your marketplaces, your, your, your scheduler for staff. These things are going to converge. I think there's going to be some uh, superpower players that come out of this that, that are uh, offering a turnkey solution across the, the whole agenda. Um, you know, in many senses, Slurp is, is, is a component of that with its services. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see you in the next five years what happens uh, across Europe and, you know, and the US and, and Asia uh, to have these consolidated offerings uh, that, that, that allow operators to go to one stop and go, here you go, I want this, 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 and this. Oh, great, you give it to me all. I don't have to go to 20 providers to get everything and, and piece it together myself. Yeah, and it comes back to the fear we talked about as well before, that the integration fear that uh, how do I do this? How do I get people to use it? The, the, the change management process as well. I agree with you. Uh, it's really interesting. The un- unanswered question, I also also call it, in every anything that happens in the world, there's always an unanswered question. I think you, you hit it there with logistic costs because I had that conversation as well. If you just say, yeah, well, think about how many drops that person can do and they need a, a living wage. It doesn't add up with with uh, you know maintenance of uh, the fleet, uh, the, the the complexity of what you need in the back house to, to make that work. It just doesn't add up yet, uh, and, and that's going to be very interesting to see that how that question is answered with logistics. And there's there, there has to be a flexible model to it. So Crosstown uses a combination of its own full time employed drivers. Um, outsourced last mile drivers that do the on-demand jobs, as well as 3PL, national shippers. So it's it's got a whole hybrid of different options through Slurp, and that works for us. And I think having that tailored approach is really important as to how you think about your business. It it doesn't have to be all one way. It can be a combination of things. Yeah, very, really good point there as well, uh, JP, that the athletes. And also it's not about what you need to look at your business, as you said, and find out what works for your business and not just do what the neighbor does in a way, because you need to find out what, what what's profitable for your neighbor may might not be profitable for you as well, doing all oper- operational sense or business sense for that sake. What what if you if we we talked a lot about digitization, the product, e-commerce, and the journey. Um, is there anything you, as the CEO of two businesses, you know, one you can say one with the massive upsides because of the pandemic, the other one thrown out in a bit of a uncertainty? You got that back on track. What is there anything you have left behind during the pandemic, like a mindset, a learning, an identity? To say, well, as a CEO, founder, entrepreneur, I leave that behind. It's always interesting to hear. Um, I think, I think it goes, the first thing that comes to my mind is, is what I said before, the need to be nimble and agile. I think it's reasserted that to me is that that's super important that you, you maintain that in your business or you try and make that a part of your culture. And when I talked about, you know, Crosstown at the start being progressive and innovative, it wasn't like we set that out as a policy. It's like, this is what we need to do. We, We just our actions of, of how we adopted technology and how we thought about things and how we were willing to fail and trial trial things was really important to, to us establishing that brand. So I think that's really important and how you can try and positively react to a situation. Um, it's I know it's difficult and I know like the, it's a really, really tough time. There's no getting away from that. Uh, but I think it's a good opportunity to 
to almost rip up the rule book and, and try something new because there's nothing really to lose. You know, you're already at, well, essentially at the bottom, right? This is about as hard as it's ever going to get. Uh, I hope so, touch wood. Um, there's a good opportunity to, to try something different. And and the path, you know, you might have wanted to go from A to B, but you might have to go to C, D, E, F, and G to get there. But that's part of the journey of growing a business. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. I also call this year the year of transformation in any way, because you, and you just have to go with it. And sometimes you pull down ideas. You can't be certain what it means for you or your business and what you're going to be involved in, because there's so, so many big things that are out of our control. And it's just accepting that. But actually, then, as you say, be ready and be nimble when it comes. Uh, through your entrepreneurial career, setting up these two businesses, what is your biggest learning? Uh, and uh, and and what have you learned from that? Um, it's a very difficult question. I think there's so many learnings. Um, for me, I, I I think I go back to the start of Crosstown, and what was really important was me finding a business partner. Uh, it was a big learning for me uh, that you know I was young, wanted to you know very bold, you know could, very confident, but ultimately I couldn't have achieved what I've achieved without Adam as my core business partner at, at Crosstown, and that's a massive learning. Is is if it's a long path, right? This is a long journey doing your own business. And if you can lean on someone and they can lean on you throughout all the twists and turns and ups and downs, it makes that journey a little bit easier. Plus, you're sharing it with someone. Uh, so call it whether it's a learning or, or just something that I that I have picked up on. I think I think finding someone to, to partner with is a really, really big one for me. Yeah, and I think it's a very good one as well, especially in the times we've gone through um I haven't thought about it in that way, but I, in everything I've been involved, I always try to find a partner as well. And uh, I think it's actually meant that we have kept things at float because there's somebody that there's always somebody to pick the other one up when needed. Because you somehow you're always in two different states of energy. Um, so I, I think it's a really really good one there. Uh, which people on your journey, JP, has been the most influential to you? Yeah, I mean, definitely Adam from, from uh, you know, he's, he's someone I've partnered with for, for years now and, and knows me better than anyone else and has been really pivotal and, and we lean on each other. And then my, my, my other partner, my girlfriend, Rowena, uh, you know, to, I feel sorry for her because she has to live, <laughs> deal with my me, me and my, my thick and thin and me working all, at all sorts of hours of the day, but she's, she's been hugely a pillar for me um, as we've grown. So uh, those two are definitely the, the two that I'd mentioned. Yeah, great, great, JP. So um, hospitality, we talked about lots about digitalization and there's some gaps we talk about and you talked about as new people coming in. But what do you think that uh, the prospects and what's going to happen in hospitality? And as I know it's a bit of a crystal ball moment. I'm giving you the crystal ball and actually asking you to predict maybe the next 12 to, to, to 18 months and what are the big obstacles in your view? Yeah, I think it's a good, as you can imagine, my response is about innovation. I think there's a really good opportunity to try things um, and innovate in your business and, and you define what that is internally, right? You decide how much you want to push the boat out. Uh, I think there's a great opportunity for business, new businesses to find great sites 
uh, I think there's uh, almost a bit of a reset with landlords happening where you can take shorter leases and, and try things out and share that risk. That hasn't been the case since I've started Crosstown in the last seven, eight years. It's always been very competitive. So that's a really big opportunity uh, that I think um, will shape the high street. Uh, I think there's going to be some innovation around sharing spaces. I think people, a little bit like the, the food halls that have popped up, they, that's almost like the, the evolution of a food court, which has traditionally been not a great place to go in a, in a big shopping center. But I, I think the food halls are, was one step. I feel shared space might be another step. Um, and, and people are reaching out about you know, doing things like that. So I, th I think that, that might evolve as well. Um, other than that, I just hope the sector gets back on its feet and finds the confidence to, to you know, grow again. Um, I think, p particularly in London, being a London-based business, uh, I do hope the, short, the, the st shortage in staff is something we overcome sooner rather than later. And I hope people feel that they want to work back in the sector, uh, whether it's because they've gone because they because of Brexit or other reasons, you know, I think it's a great industry to be a part of. And you can have a very successful uh, and exciting career in hospitality, particularly with the innovation that's going through, it's going through now with, with uh, tech adoption and things. Great, uh, great JP. What about um, yourself? Uh, it's been a crazy time and uh, yeah I might, I might like sleep it. for a couple of weeks <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah that's so sleep is a very good one for the next question <laughs> I actually asking you is about how, how do you put yourself because you and you're, you're not just involved in one business you're involved in two business and how do you make sure that you are in the impact zone and when I talk about the impact zone it's like you know how do you keep everything in balance and uh, Mr. Miyaki said to Karate Kid balance is key Daniel son. So how do you uh, how do you actually do do that? How do you keep yourself in, in balance? It's it's a really good point. I think one of the hardest things I I wrestle with myself is to try and take time out and I'm still very much learning how to do that. Uh, and I always think of this quote by Oscar Wilde which is to do nothing at all is the most difficult thing in the world, the most difficult and the most intellectual. <laughs> and I can wholeheartedly agree with that that you know, there's always this innate pressure as a founder and a CEO to always be, you know, ringing the bell, achieving things and doing X, Y, Z and pushing the boat out. But ultimately, it, you know, it's a long path and, and you have to take time out for yourself and, and yeah, you know, the, the people around you. Um, you don't always have to be comparing yourself to others as well. That's a big one. You know, people are always constantly looking about, who's opening what or uh, who's raising X money or whatever that stuff. And and that's definitely something I've learned to filter. Uh, I say filter the noise is one of my my sayings that I have to myself. Yeah, I normally say to people, uh, turn off the news and focusing on what you're doing and uh, and then you will find out if you need to know. <laughs> and you don't need to, you don't need you don't need to mirror in their success because that's not your success. You have a different journey. Yeah, so it's, it's so interesting. So, JP, we, we're coming to an end here. It's been an absolutely incredible conversation. As you say, there's much more to talk about in a way uh, and, and dive into. But what would you be uh, your like three top advice to, to, to other leaders out there in the 
in the industry? What what are your like, you know, what should they be focusing on right now in this time of moment? I think for, for hospitality business leaders, it, it it might be daunting to think about quite significant digital adoption of technologies and, and creating this new sort of omni-channel business, but it's a leap you must take. And there's plenty of people that you can lean on to, to get advice and learnings. Um, businesses like Slurp, of course, that have a just such a pool of, of information and resource and insight. Um, be bold and take that step. It's We're seeing so many businesses succeed and really look at their businesses differently. And that will really shape the next one to five years of your business if, if you really embrace that. Uh, I think it's also in, in the same breath, it's about saying to leaders who might have set up a, a restaurant or a hospitality concept and never thought about digital adoption, um, I know it's a deviation, but I think it's a really important one. And a story I always use is when I started Crosstown, I never had the word wholesale in my business plan. And it was a bells and whistles business plan. It was so in-depth. I did everything about the brand. It was probably the best thing I've ever created, to be honest, that business plan. you know. And after the first 12 months, uh, after we started at Crosstown, the majority of the business was wholesale. I think that's a really good is learning from that we 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 adopted something that we ne- didn't necessarily plan um, and it worked out for the be- best for us and and now wholesale is like two percent of of crosstown's business so it changed completely over the course of last few years and uh, but yeah, I think I think that that's really important is that it might not be in the original agenda to go to go into digital but i think um really really tell you ask yourself why not if your customers are saying hey i want this yeah great great advice there jp uh, thank you so much for, for for that if people want to to reach out to you and learn more about slurp and uh and also crosstown what is the best places to do that sure so slurp's website is is very simple it's slerp.com uh, Crosstown is crosstown.co.uk. And if you want to connect with me, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. Just look up JP Then, and there should only be one JP Then, I think, out there. And uh, you'll see my face. And yeah, please reach out and drop me a line. Great, great, JP. I am sending you and uh, your teams the, the power and energy to, 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 to come through the, the next phase of whatever we should call the next phase. I don't know yet, but as the next phase, as you alert to us, well, where we have to be nimble and agile, I'll send you all the energy power you need to do that. I'll definitely uh, absorb all of that and pass it on to the team as much as I can. <laughs> that was great, JP. Lots of inspiration in here and great ideas on how to build a strong omnichannel strategy. I would recommend you now to sit down with pen and paper and ask yourself, how can I optimize my omnichannel strategy? If you want to learn more about how to build e-commerce and omnichannel in your business, I would recommend you to tune in to episode number 110 with Christophe Delacroix, who's the co-founder of StoreKit on mastering your omnichannel experience. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please share, rate, review, or subscribe to one of our channels. A big thank you to BizSimply for supporting us, bringing great insights, strategies, and tools to help the industry thrive, not just survive. Check them out at bizsimply.com 
or connect with them on their social at BizSimply or BizSimplyHQ. You can also email them directly on advice at BizSimply.com. A big thank you to Fina Charlson, who is the show producer and editor from the Podcast Collective. Tune in next time for another interview. And in the meantime, find out more about us and subscribe to our newsletter and download free leadership tools at hospitalitymavericks.com. And don't worry, if you didn't get all of this, there will be links in the show notes. Thank you and be maverick.